Thank you for joining me here at The Real Rescue for episode 165. Super pumped to have this one coming up. Huge shout out to our sponsor of this specific episode, Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Thank you so much for hooking us up with this episode. Now, coming up next in this episode, we've got a guy who's a volunteer firefighter. He's an EMT, and he is doing so much for his community and wants to do so much more. It's incredible. He's also a former U.S. Marine and a Medal of Honor recipient. So please welcome our next guest, Mr. Dakota Meyer. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue. Today, I've got a guest that uh, I, I'm honored and humbled to have on. He is He's made headline news uh, for quite a few things that he's done. So, I, you know what? I'm just going to go right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dakota Meyer. How Thank you, doing? you so much. You know, I got to tell you, I, I'm just as excited. You know what I mean? I, I, are you an officer, first off? I got to ask you. Hell no. Not even a little bit. I got to tell you, you, know, you want to do all this, you want to do all this briefing and you want to do all this. I mean, you want to do all preparatory <laughs> stuff. Like, are we going to oh, listen? Life doesn't give you no warm up. You know what I mean? Life doesn't give you a warm up. Let's so, just go. Let's go. <laughs> no, it's an honor. It's an honor, man. It's an honor to be on here. It's an honor to, you know, to be able to spend some time with you and, uh, you know, to be able to, to, to spread the message. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, for those that don't know who you are, uh, United States Marine Corps. Hua? Is it Hua Hura? Which which one? Hura. Yeah. Hura. Okay. Sorry, yeah. I gotta yeah, yeah. make sure I got it yeah. right. So, so, Marine Corps, you know, I grew up in a small town, Columbia, Kentucky. Um and then I joined the Marine Corps at 17 years old and went to the Marine Corps, uh, became a sniper, um, deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan both, and um, you know, went to uh, got, got out of the Marine Corps, uh, 2010, um, a lot of public speaking, received the medal of honor. And then, uh, you know, 2020 rolled around and I just, I had this opportunity to join the fire service and, uh, continue to serve and, and to give back. And, um, and so grew up in a small town, um, with the Marine Corps, 2006, uh, became a sniper, went in at 17 years old and, uh, didn't really know what I was doing, but knew that, you know, I think, I think serving it, it's, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's nature. I think it's, it's, it's nurture. I think it's how you're raised and, you know, being on a farm, I think you see a lot of these kids that, that, that join, they grew up on farms and things like that. And, and it's because, you know, you've had to serve something else your whole life, right? The animals relied on you and everything like that. And, um, so growing up like that, watching my father and, and my, my family, really, it's a family business. Uh, you know, I joined the Marine Corps, uh, served for four years. I, I served in Iraq as a sniper in Afghanistan. Uh, came back and then got out in 2010. And then I went to, uh, you know, a lot of public speaking, received the Medal of Honor, things like that. And then, 
you know, entrepreneurs still, still starting businesses and, uh, you know, trying to go out and, and make a difference. And then, uh, you know, 2020 rolled around, everything kind of got shut down. And, uh, for me, it was, it was a, it was a really a good, a good time, right. A good time for my life because it kind of let me, it kind of, kind of trim the fat of life, right? Like okay. it, it yeah. really dialed things in to where, uh, you know, I could get back to more refocusing on and, and really taking some time to think about what I needed to do and what I wanted to do and what purpose, you know, I needed to, a little purpose check, I call it, right? So yeah, um, did that. And so I, I joined the fire service. You know, I, I became a firefighter, started out volunteering, still a volunteer. Um, but then I just, I was like, man, I, I want to I be able to provide more knowledge on these calls. I want to be more of an asset on these calls. And so I went and got my EMT first because obviously we run majority medical calls. And then um, turned around and went to the fire academy and knocked out that and, you know, became a um, commissioned firefighter in the state of Texas, worked for a couple departments uh, full time for a while uh, during the COVID uh, pandemic. And then now I'm, I'm part time with the department and I'm a captain at our volunteer uh, department here. Damn. Well done. Yeah. I, bro, you're, you're crushing it. That's that's awesome. You also um, so I love how you just kind of breezed over. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Dakota is a earner. You earned it of the Medal of Honor, the highest yes. medal that you could possibly earn in our U.S. military services. So uh, well done, sir. Yeah, thank, well you. Done. thank you. You're welcome. Now, I, I'm going to throw this out there, a little shout out to Jocko, because I love Jocko. I love listening to his podcast and stuff. I did have an opportunity to listen to that podcast. Hey, Jocko, go. I love it. Um, but the reason I want to throw that out there is because Jocko actually talks about uh, your Medal of Honor book, like the book that, that was written about you in that day. So it gets into a lot of detail about you and your life and um, throughout that day. So what... One of the things that I, I want to ask, and let me start with this question first. What brought you to the Marine Corps? Why the Marines? I mean, why not the U.S. Coast Guard like I did? I'm just saying. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, think, I think the Marine Corps has a unique way of finding their people, right? Um, look, if you want to get technical about it and statistical about it, right? Like it's, it's, it is easier for the Marine Corps to find their own, kind of like the Coast Guard, uh, for the simple fact of how, how small they are, right? Like in the Marine Corps, it's not, you know, it, it is, it's a small organization um, compared to the other branches. Um, you know, so, so they are able to stay on when it comes to culture and being able to cultivate and, and be able to control and, and, and keep that culture tight. The Marine Corps is able to do that better than the other branches, right? So I think that also gives them a unique way to recruit and and you know you when you look at all the branches right now the only one that's hitting mission is the marine corps and and i think it's because they run lean i think it's because they're very clear about what they want right like the few the proud look it's not for everyone like being a marine is not for everyone right can you do it yes yes anyone could be a marine if you put your mind to it but the fact is that if you don't want to be there you don't need to be there right and and go join another branch so that's kind of the mentality that they have. And it was the same way with the recruiter. A recruiter looked at me and said, you know, look, Dakota, you'd never make it as a Marine. Uh, so you're, you're really just wasting my time. And, you know, Marines, they want people who are up for the challenge, right? Like they, they yeah. want people who are like, hey, you know, if you're looking to join for money, 
Like, go to the Army. They got sign-on bonuses. Uh, but you don't get the title Marine, right? You don't join the Marine Corps for a bonus, a sign-on bonus, or anything other than the title, right? And and that's the cool part about the Marine Corps. And so, you know, uh, that was for me, and, and I ended up joining the Marine Corps, and the rest is history. Dude, I love it. I love it. Um, one of the things that, that is very different between U.S. Coast Guard and the Marine Corps is, like, our job is – like law enforcement and border protection and all, I get it, but it's search and rescue. Like my, yeah. my main job as a coast guard rescue swimmer was search and rescue. That's not the Marine Corps job. And you no. got put into a position where you were going in to help those in distress and, and try to get them out of harm's way. And that's kind of where I want to start this because I, if I, if I'm going to throw a bone out here, I'm going to say that was probably your first rescue. Is that a pretty no. accurate statement? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when it comes to a rescue, yeah. I, I mean, you know, everything that we were doing, um, it really just depends on how you look at it, right? Like yeah. um, everything that we were doing, I don't want to say it was a rescue, but but a lot of situations turned into a rescue, right? And and, and look, like when you talk about a, 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 a like you're, when you look at this this scale of a rescue, it was a totally different ballgame. Um, compared to the others, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a unique uh, aspect that day. Um, but you know, look, I mean, any of these roles are so multidimensional that you have to be able to adapt and, and, and become what you need to be. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I can't personally relate to any of it. And what I like yeah. to do, if you're good with it, I'd like to read your award and I'd yeah. like to kind of go into it a little bit because it's about us. And I would love to get into the story of what drove you to go above and beyond to try to save those in, in need. And let me start with this citation. The president of the United States in the name of Congress takes pleasure in presenting the medal of honor to corporal Dakota L Meyer, United States Marines for conspicuous gallantry, intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty while serving as Marine embedded training team to eight regional corps, Advisory Command 37 in Kunar Province, Afghanistan, on 8 September 2009. Corporal Meyer maintained security at a patrol rally point while other members of his team moved on foot with two platoons of Afghan National Army and Border Police into the village of Ganjigal for a pre-dawn meeting with the village elders. Moving into the village, the patrol was ambushed by more than 50 enemy fighters firing rocket-propelled grenades, mortars, and machine guns from houses and fortified positions on the slopes above. Hearing over the radio that it was four U.S. team members that were cut off, Corporal Meyer seized the initiative. With a fellow Marine driving, Corporal Meyer took exposed gunner's position in the gun truck as they drove down the steeply terraced terrain into the daring attempt to disrupt the enemy's attack and locate the trapped U.S. team. Disregarding intense enemy fire, now concentrated on their lone vehicle, Corporal Meyer killed a number of enemy fighters with the mounted machine guns and his rifle, some at near point-blank range, as he and his driver made the three solo trips into the ambush area. During the first two trips, he and his driver evacuated two dozen Afghan soldiers, many of whom were wounded. When one machine gun became inoperable, 
He directed to return to the rally point to switch to another gun truck for a third trip into the ambush area where his accurate fire directly supported the remaining U.S. personnel and Afghan soldiers fighting their way out of the ambush. Despite a shrapnel wound to his arm, Corporal Meyer made two more trips into the ambush area in a third gun truck accompanied by four other Afghan vehicles to recover more wounded Afghan soldiers and search for the missing U.S. team members. Still under heavy enemy fire, he dismounted the vehicle on the fifth trip and moved on foot to locate and recover the bodies of his team members. Corporal Myers' daring initiative and bold fighting spirit throughout the six-hour battle significantly disrupted the enemy's attack and inspired the members of the combined forces to fight on. His unwavering courage and steadfast devotion to his U.S. and Afghan comrades in the face of almost certain death reflect great credit upon himself and upheld the highest traditions of the Marine Corps and the United States Naval Services. Dakota. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, it was a long day. Jesus. You know, and again, I'm going to fall back on to Jocko's podcast. One of the things you said in that in that day is this, is, this was one of the worst days of your life. And I, I'm so sorry that you had to go through this. And I'm so honored and proud to be talking to you right now. It's ridiculous. Like, there's that double-edged sword. And I can't possibly relate even close to any of this. I, I've had well, people die at my hands, but yeah, like, this is I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't, right? Like, look, I mean, it's a... You know, it's it's just a threshold, right? Like I would, you know, yeah. While while it is the worst day of my life, it is the most significant day in my life as far as who I am today, right? Like, like here's what I'll tell you is 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 it is the the superpower that that day has gave me and showed me about myself. I mean, it's hard to beat me, right? It's hard it's hard to beat me because I know how far I'll go. You have to wonder. Most people have to wonder how far they'll go. I know how far I'll go, right? And I know what I'll do for something I care about. And 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 you know, like that's that's what it comes down to. And and I'm so fortunate that you know I, I love my teammates with every moral fiber of my being. And and but their sacrifice and what they died for that day was so much more than just freedom. It was the lessons that that I learned. It was the person that it made me today. It was it was the you know they gave their life so that I could learn so that I could go out and teach, you know, they gave their tomorrow so that I could go and continue on that legacy and talk about them and, and, and be able to spread what, what, you know, what, what serving and what, you know, fighting for what, what is right and, and what doing hard stuff is about. Right. And, and so, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm honored to that I got to do it that day. I'm honored that I had that opportunity to be there that day to be part of, uh, such a big day so that I could get these lessons that I could have never learned anywhere else. Can you bring us through a little bit of that day? Just, yeah. again, I, I know the book talks about where you're sitting on there listening to the radio. And it was that, that moment of like, fuck this. I'm going in, I'm going to get my boys. Yeah. You know, look, I, I think, I think all of us, all of us at some point have got to figure out, what we stand for. If you don't know that, if you don't know what you stand for, if you don't know what, like, you know, I talk about this a lot about we've got to become and be unconditional people in a conditional world, right? 
And, and, and being unconditional, you have to know what those conditions are, the conditions that you live by, right? Like, like what is that threshold? And so, you know, for, for me, um, I, I believed in those words, leave no man behind. I believed in those oaths of, you know, you either get them out alive or you die trying. And, and that's the way it is. And so I believed in that, right? I, I believed in, in those things with not just as a T-shirt phrase, but with every moral fiber of my being. And, and so, you know, um, I believed in the idea and it's a, it's a cheesy phrase, but death before dishonor. I, I believe in that. And I still, I still believe in that. And, um, so that day was an easy day for me, you know, with the decisions, people were like, oh, you know, you went against, you know, I, cause I, re- we requested four or five times over the radio to go in to help. Um, and each time told no. And finally I looked at, at Satsang Rodriguez Chavez. And I said, let's go. I said, because that's what brothers do for one another. Right. Like, that's what you do. You think I'm going to sit back and wait for somebody to tell me to do the right thing. I know the right thing to do. And it's not conditional. Doing the right thing is not conditional upon if everybody agrees with me, if it's the right fucking thing. And so just like that day, the right thing was to go help out people who needed help. And I was able to help. You know, Uh, I heard this quote the other day and it really made so much sense to me. I'm a simple kind of guy. Right. Like. I'm not very educated, so I've got to keep it simple. Um, you know, there, there's a there's a phrase that 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 Mr. Tom Donahue, who is the, was a, you know the um, he was CEO of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and such a philanthropist, a guy that helps everybody. Um, but he said, if you can help, you should. Yeah. It's pretty simple. If you can, you should. And because not everybody can. And so where you can, you should, you must. And, and so it was like that day, like nobody else was going to help. So, you know, we went in in our truck and, you know, made four or five trips. I don't know. And, uh, you know, ended up recovering a ton of bodies, put on over 30 tourniquets, um, you know, trying to treat the guys that could live trying to pull out and let the guys die honorably that were going to die that you couldn't do anything for. And, and then finally ended up, you know, on trying to locate the, the, the four missing us. And we finally located them, you know, after about five hours. Wow. So it talks about going in, it said five times you went through three trucks going in there. Like yeah. there, there was no stopping you that day. You and, and Chavez, right? Chavez. Yeah, Rodriguez Chavez. Yeah, so like I'll never forget. There was a moment that that just you, you went to. I don't know. Like you ever notice, like when you work out, you know, you hit this moment where you're like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna quit." And then it gets so miserable that you're like, "Oh no, I'm gonna go fucking harder. Like I'm gonna lean into this. Like I want to feel this suffering." It was kind of like that moment of that day. I, I like I went in and and man, bullets were hitting inside the turret because they had the angle. Like so, there was nowhere to hide. There were so many bullets. It sounded like static, Holy and uh, and I remember just thinking, like, at some point, one of these rounds are just like it's like it's just going to go lights out, like it's just going to hit me in the face and like lights out. But I was going to make, I was not, I was not going to stop until that happened. And it was like after that moment, it was like, fuck it, like it, it, it like you know, this is what it takes. This is what. You know, and people talk about and they think fighting 
and, and combat and all this is around hate and, and things like that. And it's, it's absolutely not it, like, like hate is, is, is a motivation that will ultimately run out and, and, and you'll run out of a purpose. If you, if your purpose is hate, um, it was about love. Like it was the utmost testament to caring about human beings. And that's what it was about, was about going out and helping people uh, where you could because you cared about them. You cared about people. You cared about good. You cared about the right thing. And and, and that was what that day is, is, is the epitome of. Damn, man. Wow. Dakota, just wow. Like my hat's off to you, brother. That's freaking badass. You actually sent me uh, just something else here that I'd like to, to read because it came up a little later. This is four days later. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm going to read the whole thing if that's cool with you. So, so, so a funny story before you read it. When they okay. told me I was getting, when they told me I was getting the Medal of Honor, I thought it was for this day. <laughs> Not... Oh my eight. God. Because like I lost my whole team. They threw a new team for me. They gave me two new guys to fill in until I, I got, uh, until we had combat replacements come in. And um, I thought it was for this day. Okay. Well, let's get right into it then. Summary of action. This award was approved and awarded by the coalition force as an Army Combination Medal with Valor. It is resubmitted as a Navy and Marine Corps Combination Medal with Valor. On 12 September 2009, while assigned as an embedded training team for the Afghan National Army 3rd Company 1st Kandak, Marine Corporal Dakota L. Meyer distinguished himself with Valor while engaged by the enemy's small arm fire and RPGs Newer the Dab Valley in Asmar District, Kunar Province, Afghanistan. First Platoon Combat Company was tasked to respond as the company quick reaction force element in response to an ambush by the anti-Afghan forces. Due to the nature of the report, it was determined that in order to properly conduct a vehicle recovery for the downed coalition force vehicles, a wrecker would be needed. This last-minute request would delay the response time for the combat company QRF. Recognizing this, Corporal Meyer immediately established a QRF of his own, consisting of one truck with four other Marine members of the embedded training team and two trucks of Afghan National Army and convoyed from COP Monte in order to provide additional combat power to the stagnant Spartan Combat Logistic Patrol. Corporal Meyer and his element arrived at the ambush site first and were responsible for establishing the initial overwatch position. Combat Company arrived at the site and at the time Corporal Meyer began to distinguish himself from those with him. The Combat Company commander arrived and assessed that an element remaining on the high ground was absolutely vital to the recovery of over 20 local national supply trucks and over five coalition force vehicles. Also, part of the assessment 
was the identification of the restricted amount of maneuverability that the road yielded. Based on the combination of these two assessments, Captain Bryant elected to take only two trucks with him down to the recovery site with the wrecker. Recognizing that Captain Bryant was entering the engagement area with limited number of forces and that his Afghan National Army soldiers were in place and co-located with coalition force soldiers, Corporal Meyer volunteered himself to assist in the recovery operation. Upon arriving in the low ground, the recovery element was greeted with a violent outburst of small arm fires and RPGs from multiple directions. Corporal Meyer, now moving, dismounted as part of the QRF Command's Personnel Security Detachment, immediately took cover and began returning fire on the enemy position located less than 80 meters away. At this time, the recovery link-up team then received the word that the local national truck drivers were either wounded or killed. With the understanding that the recovery team that Corporal Meyer was not a part of could not return to their trucks due to the 60-meter open area isolating them and that if the local national wounded in action were not evacuated soon, there was a strong possibility they may be killed in action. The team made the decision to leave their covered and concealed position and evacuate the casualties. As the team moved in the south direction, they searched each local national truck they came across. As they could arrive at the coalition force trucks, they would talk with the occupants who were unable to dismount themselves due to the high amount of enemy fire and gather the latest situational report. After linking up with the first coalition force vehicle, Corporal Meyer identified the first local national casualty. Using his own body for cover for the local national and assessing his wounds, Corporal Meyer notified Captain Bryant that the local national suffered from sunken chest gunshot wound, but would be able to be saved given the proper treatment. Without hesitation, Corporal Meyer handed his weapon to Captain Bryant, picked up the casualty himself in a fireman's carry. Due to the intensity of the enemy fire and needed for treatment, there was not time to gather a stretcher. Corporal Meyer sprinted the 180-pound local national over his shoulder, over 150 meters across open terrain, under fire, back to his truck to establish a casualty collection point. Corporal Meyer ignored his fatigue from the movement and focused only on now treating the casualty. Corporal Meyer opened his aid bag and began to stabilize the casualty until the platoon medic arrived to take over the actions. After being told there were core casualties, Corporal Meyer, again, without hesitation, began to move back across the 60-meter open space with no thought of his own safety. Corporal Meyer made over 10 trips across the open area, resulting in a successful recovery of five local national wounded in actions and one local killed in action. Corporal Meyer's contributions that day were the definition of selfless service and valor. He saved the lives of five local nationals and helped to establish the conditions of clearing the wounded in action in order to clear the disabled local national trucks, which would allow the recovery of the coalition force mobility killed vehicles and the Spartan Combat Logistic Patrol to exit the kill zone. All of Corporal Meyer's courage-led actions that day took place while under extreme fire from the enemy. 
Corporal Myers' valorous acts brought extreme pride and credibility to himself, the Embedded Training Team Program, and the United States Marine Corps. Holy shit, Dakota. And the crazy part to me, sorry, the crazy part about to me is, is even in the book, you actually had a battle like days before the Medal of Honor one. And then this is four days later. Yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a long week. Bro. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, man. Just wow. You could, if you want to walk us through some of that, like, dude, I'll yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you look, you, you, you read it, right? Like, I mean, it was, it, yeah, it was a long week. I mean, we were in heavy fighting up there, you know, and I was around some of the most badass human beings on the face of the planet. Like, these guys, you know, I, I got the credit for it, but the guys around me were just these Afghan soldiers, you know, we, we were, I mean, it was just, you know, the, the awesome part for me is I got to see the very best of human beings. I got to see the very worst of human beings. I mean, I got all of it. I got I got the fast track of life, right? I got to see evil. I got to look evil in the eyes. And I got to see, I was surrounded by heroes, you know? And it was just, a, it was like an awesome, it was, it, was a, it was an incredible experience. Wow. Dakota, I'm just, I'm, I'm freaking blown away, man. I, I really am. This is incredible. Um, well done. Well done. I, you. you put yourself out there and, and it's uh, it's incredible. I, again, I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to you right now with everything you've been through. It's awesome. Oh, no. So, no, it's good. Yeah. We're going to divert real quick to thank our sponsors. Breeze Eastern. For over 80 years, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured battle-proven aerial rescue hoists, winches, and cargo hooks. Each product is carefully crafted to support demanding mission scenarios ensuring the job gets done safely and efficiently. Visit them today at www.breeze-eastern.com. Let me fast forward a little bit because you, 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 you got out of the Marine Corps and now you went firefighter. Yeah. And I like, as much as I want to sit there and just engross in, in, in what you did in Afghanistan, but that's not it. That's not your whole life. And it did not end there. And you didn't no. let it in there, which is amazing to me. So yeah, you know, like I, I, I think I think it goes back to like you know, if you can, you should, right? And a lot of people think that you know they get that good job and 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 sometimes they put their sword down, which is it's on everybody, right? Like at some point, you know, we we all have to put it down. You can do it early, you can do it late, or you can keep you can keep getting after it, you know. And and the thing is, is when you're out there serving others, I mean, you know this, you know. Uh, are you still a rescue swimmer? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Actively yeah. So, flying, actively paramedic, all nine yards. So I mean, I mean, I mean, it, it is a big responsibility, right? Like, I mean, it, it is. It's one thing to take care of yourself, which I think everybody has a responsibility to do, right? Like, you should you should be able to to take care of yourself. Um, but to be able to take care of others is is not only do you have to do what it takes to take care of yourself and your family, but like you, I mean. The, the people don't see the preparation and the sacrifice that it takes to stay ready. You know, yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you can't, I mean, look, I mean, you talk, you know, you just, it, it's a big responsibility and it's not for everyone. Right. It's not, it's not that like what we do in the moment, in the moment, it's the easiest piece of it. Right. I mean, you getting like you getting a call, getting in that helicopter, 
I mean, that's the easiest part of your job to, to go rescue somebody, right? I mean, that's the easiest part. The hard part is, is like those days you don't feel like getting up and going to the gym. The days you don't yeah. feel like getting in the pool, right? When nobody's watching, when there's not a call, when, you know, you know what I mean? Like though, that's the sacrifice and that's the sacrifice a lot of people don't see, right? And, and, you know, look, you getting your CEs, I mean, getting your paramedic, you know, all these things. I mean, it's a, it's a big, big ask of people like you. And so, you know, I, I had set my sword down for a long time and I was so fortunate there were human beings like you out there who, you know, you take it for granted. You know, if, if something goes wrong, you can literally, if you, if you mess up in your life and something goes wrong, you can dial three numbers and somebody else is going to come figure your problem out for you. And, right. and we're, we're thankful that, that we have that, that we live in a country where there's incredible human beings who are willing to do that sacrifice for us to be able to help us figure out our problems. Um, but, you know, I, I recognize that and I recognize that, hey, I'm in a position to where I can I still got more to give. And, you know, I became a firefighter and, and you know, and here we are. So uh, EMT, basic, intermediate, paramedic? Yeah, I'm, I'm a basic. I'm a basic. Nice. I, you know, I, I tried to do online paramedic school. No dust. Dude, it's a pain in the ass. Dude, I, I'm not a, I'm not an online guy. I 100% agree with you. And that's how I did it twice. You did it that way? Yeah. We'll, we'll chat. We'll chat. <laughs> it was a pain in the ass, but you know what? That actually bad props because it was uh, NMETC. I'll throw there a little shout out to them right now. Online paramedic stuff. But dude, I ended up having to do it twice because yeah. Anyway, long story, long story. But yeah. So EMT basic right now. Firemen, yeah. Have you have you been called out? Have you been able to put your skills into action? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I worked on a box for six months. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I what mean, stands listen. out to you? What What was your first one of the box? What was your first call out? Yeah, uh, I I don't I don't even remember. I mean, we listen. We've we've worked some good ones. Yeah. Yeah. We we've um we've worked some good ones. Um. I had a I had a call two years ago. Uh, it, well, it'd be February twenty second. It'll be two years ago. Got a call on the vol. My worst calls I've ever ran is is on the volunteer side. Okay. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, What's well, the story? So uh, two years ago, uh, we got a call. We were at the station, just luckily getting ready to train, and got a call that there was a vehicle that was stuck on the side of a pond and. Um, me and two other guys jumped in the engine and headed over and I was in the back. I, um, went in and started getting my gear on, you know, who knows what it's going to be. I figured it was just somebody stuck, you know, on the side of the pond. Right. I get there. I don't see, uh, I don't see a vehicle. I see a woman standing on the side of the bank. And so I get out, uh, I told the guys in the engine to, to cut the locks and drive the engine. There's a couple gates and get the engine out in the, in the field. I climbed over the fence and started walking over to where this woman was. And, and I hear her screaming, my son. And I'm like, where's your, you know, I, I didn't really understand it. Or if she was telling me her son went another way. So I kind of start, you know, the, the shuffle, you know, the little quick shuffle. And, uh, and I'm in full bunker gear. And she goes, my son's in the pond. Oh, shit. And I said, where in the pond? And when I got closer, I could see, a, I mean, it looked like a square, and it was the top of a four-door Z71 that was sitting at the bottom of the pond. 
<gasps> and she said, my son's in there. And uh, so I stripped down to my, uh, my station pants and my T-shirt, and I dove into the water. Um, and, you know, a couple other guys came out and helped, swam down. The, 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 the truck was about 10 feet deep. And uh, so I swam down to the vehicle. And uh, you like you talk about scared, not knowing if that person's conscious or reaching out. Like, I mean, it's a it's a weird it's a it's a weird dynamic, right? And um, so swim down, and uh, the windows are up, and the doors locked because I guess it was still in drive. So I come back up, and my guess where my window punch is. Back in your gear that you stripped off. Exactly. So, um, so a cop comes up and she slings her baton out there to us. So go back down. Uh, another guy ended up being able to bust the window out and comes back up. I go down and swim inside the vehicle and, and find the guy, pull him out, swim him to the shore. And then, uh, we did three or four rounds of CPR on him and, uh, ended up, he was breathing and, uh, he was, had a pulse, landed a helicopter and the guy walked out and fully recovered four weeks later. Holy shit. Oh my yeah. God, Dakota, that's sick. Yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, you went from one to extreme to the next. Dude. Man, yeah. Yeah, we get them out of here. We get them out of here quite a bit. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll take one more. Yeah, uh, we had so we had a concrete truck roll over with uh, with entrapment, a full concrete truck with entrapment, and oh my uh, God. Only, we, it was in, at the volunteer department. Only one other guy was with me, uh, and we had to extricate this guy. Finally, got him out uh, about 24, 25 minutes after getting on scene, um, and then ended up having to we DSI'd him. Uh, on the way to the DSI. hospital. Sorry, what's DSI? So we intubated him. Oh, got it. Okay, yeah. got it. We intubated him on the way to the hospital, and and yeah, I mean, he ended up living too. So we were lucky on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You okay, never don't know. leave me hanging. One more, just one more, just one more. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, we we get like we have a highway here that's um. So we have a highway here, um, and it's it's pretty high speed like 70 miles an hour. So we get extrications all the time, right? Like you'll get door pops. I mean, you'll get, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we get those quite a bit. Um, we do quite, we, it's an elderly uh, group out here too. So we, we do a lot of CPR. Um, you yeah. know, we do have a lot of heart attacks, work a lot of strokes. Um, yeah. I mean, that's. The, sta the standard medical calls that you're getting for the elderly. I, yeah. I yeah. We get those all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 As you're standing in the box or as you're on the truck, you're like, Oh, yep. Got it. Got to go to that house. And yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We usually know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> are you guys running it? You got a couple of the frequent flyers as well as, as I remember calling them. You're like, Oh, <laughs> oh it's funny. Holy yeah. shit. Dakota. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah. It's awesome. Dude. It's, it's really awesome. You know? Now you, uh, if I remember correctly, you compete in some of the firefighter like uh, competitions. Is that right as well? Yeah. So this year, like I, you know, I'd always watch the firefighter, uh, the firefighter challenge, and um, I was like, I want to go try it. 
So I went out, competed. Uh, I did two, two. Yeah, I went to two or three competitions. Um, my goal was to become getting the lion's den. So a lion's den is doing the course um, under a minute forty. Oh and wow! So um, I, I I ended up getting that at nationals down in Hoover, Alabama. What? But such an awesome. I mean, you talk about the best of the best of the fire service. Like that's where they're at. Yeah. You dropped it like it was hot. Yeah. But it represents. You know, it's, it's called the hardest two minutes in sports. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's what they call it. Damn. And that's, uh, if I remember correctly, it's like, because it, I remember watching a video, you were on the assault bike and then you got to hammer something. You got to run hose, drag somebody or drag the body. Is that? Or well, so you uh, start out and you have to take a hose pack up four or five flights of stairs. Okay. You get to the top, you have a, a hoist, you hoist up a rope with a, a hose pack or a hose roll on it. Then you got to go back down, hitting every stair on the way down. You come off of the stairs and go on to the Kaiser, which is a force hitting machine. Uh, so we, you hit that and then you come off that and you go through what's called the delineators. You go through the delineators and then you grab a charge line, pull it through and hit a target. And then you have a 180 pound dummy drag, a hundred feet at the end. Dude, sick. And it all has yeah. to be done in under a minute and. To, to, to get the lion's den, yeah, under a minute 40. Holy, dude. Get yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. Well done. Really awesome. Well done. Um, wow. Dakota, that's freaking badass. Now, Thank you. you also have one more thing that I want to I throw a shout out to, and that is own the dash. Yeah. So that is, that's like. I love how you say it. It's you have two dates on your tombstone and it's the date you're born and the date you die and the dash in between. That's what you own. Everything else you own it. Yeah. Like I read this poem Linda Ellis had wrote one time and I, I want to read it because I butcher it all the time. I, I love the poem. I, I usually bring it up. Um, I usually bring it up at the end of my, at the end of my uh, speeches, but it goes, this was a poem. Linda Ellis wrote it in 2015. She said, I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what matters most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live in love and how we spend our dash. So, you know, for me, like, you know, in the, in the, you know, look, I mean, the reality is, is the world that we live in, nobody ever calls us when everything's going good. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and so, you know, you got to find a way of what does it mean, right? What does it mean? Because if it doesn't, then it's going to drive you in the ground. And, and for me, you know, we, you have so many people, they celebrate, so they spend their entire lives celebrating their birthday and trying to avoid the day they die. Yep. I mean, think about that. Yeah. They spend their whole life focused on evolving around the only two days on earth 
that aren't 24 hours and that you have no control of. And so for me, it's like, own your dash. You don't get to decide how long that is. You don't get to decide where it ends. You don't get to you don't get to pick and choose any of that, and you have no control of it. So go ahead and, and quit thinking about it, but get up every single day and make the most of it, right? Like make the biggest impact in the world that you can, because the reality is, is at some point you're gonna die, I'm gonna die. That's that's a hundred percent guaranteed. Death has a hundred percent success rate. But but what doesn't have to die is the impact that you make on the world isn't what you have because as soon as you die, somebody else is going to get it or they're going to knock it down, they're going to sell it, whatever it is. But how you impacted people to do good is ultimately what your legacy is on this earth. Well, you're doing a badass job doing that, man. Well done. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying, right? I don't, I don't always get it right, but I'm trying. That's the greatest part about it. We all, you're not supposed to always get it right. You learn. You learn yeah. by trial and error. Like, I, you know, I mentioned it earlier. Like, There's a lot of things I have failed at, a lot. But there's a lot of things I get back up, and I keep going, and I try again, and I go until I get it again. This is one of the things I love about listening to all your speeches and stuff and, and all the things you drop. You're like, what? don't quit. Yeah, get back up. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there is no there is no learning without failure. Right? You have yeah. to. So, yeah. dude, awesome. Right on. Cool. All right, Dakota. So I got one more question. I love to ask this at the end of the podcast just because it's it's nice to get a perspective of somebody else's. And that is with everything you've been through from Marine yeah. Corps to now, firefighter, EMT, everything in between the entire dash, what advice would you give to everybody out there? You know, I, look, I want to start with, if you can, I want to take a little bit further. If you can, you must, you know, um, if you can't help people, you must help people. And, um, you know, so many people are, are, are living off of, they live off of two things. They either live in prison of their, of their mistakes or they live off of, you know, their successes for way too long. You know, wins and losses are nothing more than moments in time and feedback. Uh, they're nothing more than that. Uh, they shouldn't be celebrated. One shouldn't be celebrated longer than the other, and the other one shouldn't be, you know, um, one should not be something you 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 suffer for more than the other or pay for more than the other. Right? They're they're both just moments in time, and so. With that being said, you know, get out there and do the next right thing, right? Like, you know, we've got to put hope back in people. And the only way that there's hope is if there is a belief that things can get better than they are. And the only way that things get better than they are is by people going out and doing more good, right? You're never going to get it perfect. Nobody, the expectation isn't perfect. The expectation is to not quit is to do better the next time. It's to get up and to continue uh, going and, 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 and pushing for the greater good of humanity, right? I, I don't believe in that. I don't buy in this concept that the world's going to shit, that, that the majority of people are bad and all this. I, I don't believe in it. I don't buy in it at all that people are weaker. I don't buy into that because that is what um, extinctionists are wanting us to believe. 
And it's just simply not true. What the truth is, is not that we have an overabundance of bad people on this earth. The truth is that we have an overabundance of good people not willing to step up and change the narrative. And we need good people out telling their stories, leaving their legacies, giving our children something else to look up to. We need that inside of our world, inside of our community. We need good people serving the military. We need good people joining to be first responders. We need good people going to be teachers. We need good people standing up with principles, unconditional people in this conditional world going out and doing good and spreading that narrative that there is still good in the world. And that's that's what we need, right? And, and, and everybody has that power to be that. Everybody listening to this has the power to spread that. And you spread it not by telling people what to do, but by being an example of what people should do. Lead by example. Lead by example. And don't quit. No quitting. Fucking right. Oh, yeah. Dakota, dude, I cannot thank you enough for coming on and just sharing some of the freaking epic stories. Again, mad props. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh, it's, you kidding me? It was my pleasure, dude. I really, really, really appreciate it. Um, I, one of these days, if I ever get down to your neck of the woods, man, let's go get a workout in and kick back a brew. Are you in? Let's do it. Where are you at? Well, right now I'm over in the sandbox in Saudi Arabia, but I'll be back to the States eventually. I know, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of things I can relate to you with, uh, with things that you, you were experiencing, like Ramadan and this and that. And I get it. I get it. Badass. In the Coast Guard, yeah. Saudi Arabia? No, 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 no. I'm all civilian side now. All civilian side. But Badass, yeah. Man. Yeah, it's fun. Cool. But I'll tell you what, uh, Massachusetts is when I, when I get home, I usually go to Mass. But I end up down in Texas from time to time. So Come on with it. All right. All right. We'll get a workout in, and then we'll kick back a beer. I like that idea. Cool, right brother. on. Cool. Thanks, Dakota. I appreciate it. I'll catch Thanks, you soon. Thanks, and with man. that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Go. Now, it's time for me to pull chocks and take off. But before I go, I'm always looking for the memorable rescues that people have done. If you have one that you're willing to share or know somebody who has a story, please feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to highlight it here at The Real Rescue. For everybody that is standing by for that SAR alarm, remember, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They're going to get you. So until next time, fly safe and swim hard. Thank you for joining me today here at the Real Rescue Podcast, powered by Vertical Helicast. We'd also like to say thank you to our sponsors for this episode. Breeze Eastern. For over 80 years, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured battle-proven aerial rescue hoists, winches, and cargo hooks. Each product is carefully crafted to support demanding mission scenarios, ensuring the job gets done safely and efficiently. Visit them today at www.breeze-eastern.com. Having a little fun with Rotor at the Beach. Digging. Get it, Rotor. Get it. Get it. What's in there? What's in there? Go get it. Get it. Get it. Got it! Got it! Get it, brother! Get it! Dig it! Dig! Get in there! Come on, what you got? What you got?
Get it. Get it.